Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Hello and welcome to Fresh Hop Cinema. This is a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. My name is Max Minardi. I'm Johnny Summers. What is going on, you beautiful beer drinking people? Hopefully, what? what? Beer, wine, vodka, (laughs) whatever you got. (laughs) Yeah. How you doing, Whatever you're drinking. Hopefully you're drinking now. Uh, It's nice to see you again. Wait, you can't see me. I'm on the radio. We're picturing you, though. Yeah. Yeah, we're back. Um, okay, before we get into all of our stuff this week, we're covering we're covering beers from Altamont, which we, I think, talked about last week. So hopefully you've got an Altamont beer near you. And we're also covering a new film called Another Round. But before we start talking about those things, Johnny Summers, where can people find us? On the internet. Yes. Most importantly, rate review on Apple Podcasts. That helps everyone learn about the glory that is my voice. Uh, Instagram and Twitter, at Fresh Hop Cinema. Letterboxed and Untapped, at Fresh Hop Cinema. We both have our own. Letterboxed, one untapped. Search mm-hmm. it. You'll find us. It's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, email us at fhccast at gmail.com. That's fhccast at gmail.com. For any uh, comments, concerns, complaints, praises, that type of thing, patreon.com dash slash backslash Fresh Hop Cinema. That is where you can give us money and maybe we'll give you stuff as a reward for helping us keep this show going. I say not even maybe, I say definitely, which is also well, to say our first round of uh, beer deliveries to our, uh, our, our our tipsy cinephiles, which are our $5 and up uh, patrons. We made deliveries of one of our last bonus contents that we covered, which was an, an Altamont beer. It's actually what inspired our beers this week. Um, we reviewed their beer, Instant Stratification, and then the day that that episode dropped, you might have found one on your doorstep. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Uh, we also have another bonus content coming out this Sunday, January 24th, in which we'll be discussing our top five films with alcoholic leads. I thought we thought it paired nicely with uh, our film of the week. So if that sort of stuff sounds like fun to you, you want to be a part of our little group, you want to keep the wheels on the show turning, you can go to patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Give us a buck or three or five or 10 per episode and you get access to all that, uh, that fun nonsense. I am basically uh, done talking, I think for housekeeping. I'm interested in beer. Johnny Summers, are you feeling the same way? Yes, let's have some beer. Okay, we prepped this last week. I know that this brewery has been on your radar for a while, and we'll get into why in a moment, but that brewery is Altamont Beer Works out of Livermore, California. If that rings a bell and you don't even drink beer, but you think that name sounds familiar, it's because we've covered them on this show numerous times, most recently on episode 172, then before that on 159, and then on episode 103 back in December of 2018. Um, Whenever Altamont comes up, And even sometimes when hazy beers come up, Johnny Summers brings up Altamont because (laughs) they consistently make clear beers. And I think our first beer of the day is going to be right up that alley. But what is it? Yeah, it is going to be the first beer we are doing. It's called Dank 30. It's a West Coast style IPA. It's 6.5% ABV. And let's see what they say from Altamont themselves. This is a heavy late hopping edition of Lemon Drop, Azaka, Equinot, Centennial, and Mosaic. Make this single malt IPA dripping with dankiness. Five dank hops for five great years. Cheers, Beer 30. So this is like a, like a five-year anniversary thing for these guys, which is really cool. I'm assuming, or it's an anniversary for the beer, maybe? I, I mean, this beer's been around for a while. I know that we typically do sort of newer releases on the show, but this is um, obviously a fresh batch of this beer. 
I can say with a lot of confidence, we've never done this specific one on our show, so we'll call it new. So, But maybe we can do some digging. I think that's a good enough transition as any to say that we did reach out to Altamont for some comments on the beers that we're covering today. They didn't get back to us in time for this recording, so we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants. But of course, um, if we get any new information, we'll post that in our episode notes. Um, my first thought, man, I just opened up my can. I haven't poured it yet, but I do have that sort of um, trepidation I always have when there are that many things listed, that many mm-hmm. flavorful hops in particular. Like I don't love Azaka hops. I do love Mosaic hops. So I'm I'm curious to see how the six and a half percent beer goes down. Have you poured yours yet? I have. I've poured it and I'm really ready to drink it. It looks nice. Anything sticking out or does it look like a pretty straightforward IPA? Uh, very clear, very effervescent. I have a lot of bubbles coming from the bottom of the glass. It's a really nice color. It smells great. I opened it and poured it in my whole, the room I'm recording in smells like hops now. Yeah, I actually just poured mine too. I'm in a very similar situation. It's it's incredibly aromatic. Um, yeah, mine looks similar. It's it's a, sort of a, a darker yellow, maybe pale orange kind of thing going. There's not a whole lot of head left over, but it looks basically like a straightforward IPA. Um, I'm curious to try it. I should also point out the can. It's a very eye grabby can. It's a, it's a sort of a foresty green. I believe those are hop cones and there's a nice cursive silver big word dank. And then underneath it says 30, um, very classy looking can. I will say, uh, yeah. have you tried it? I have. Thoughts? This is a really, really big punchy, like the, the most atypical West coast IPA that you can get. Is it atypical uh, West coast? Yeah. As in not typical. Oh, I'm sorry. Very typical. Oh, I thought, yeah, I heard it. I heard a typical, <laughs> but I think you might just said a weird. Okay. Yeah. yeah. No, right. like, yeah. Uh, no, this is, this is fantastic. There is not really any sweetness in this beer at all. It's, it's really dry and very, very hot punchy. That is a lot of hops happening. Uh, I definitely get some of like the lemon drop and the, the Azaka for sure adds a little bit of earthiness to it. Uh, there's, there's a lot going on. This is really insanely hop forward. Yeah, so it's worth also noting that I checked the bottom of the can, and this one is just under a month old. And I think that's re- like I don't know how this would hold up in three months, and I, I it'd be fun to speculate and put them side by side even in the future. But this is super fresh, and I'm not getting any of the notes that I typically don't love in some of those hops. Like there's not really, I agree with you, there's not a whole lot of sweetness, um, maybe some malty sweetness on the back end, but it's mostly super flavorful hop punches. This is, this is pretty good, man. I've only had one drink, but I'm, I'm off to a, off to a good start. I think. Yeah. It's very approachable and and very true to style. I think, you know, if you're into the West coast style, you're going to like this because it's, it's everything as advertised. It's very, very dry, tons of resinous notes. I mean, it's like very pine sap. It smells like it tastes just very in your face with its hop presence. This is one like you definitely have to like bitter hoppy beers to enjoy this, but we're in luck because I do a lot. It's actually like my favorite style of beer in the world, probably besides like Pilsner's. Yeah. I'm getting, uh, you know, this is going to be a weird sort of comparison, but what I'm catching more of than I thought I would is the mosaic in particular. I've been a long time fan of mosaic. It's one of those first hops that I kind of learned to pick out in a beer. And it was Mm. one of the first ones that I fell in love with. And so often when it's paired with even one other aggressive hop, particularly the one that's like earthy or um, herbal or anything, it gets buried, but I'm getting a lot of it here. And the thing that jumps out the most is, and this is a weird reference, but um, there's a jelly belly flavor called Tutti Frutti. Are you familiar? Okay. It's the little pink one with like blue speckles all over it. And it tastes almost like, like, like berry flavored, 
bubblegum, maybe the tutti frutti does. Okay. And there's so much of that coming through. Like it's, I wouldn't call it overt sweetness, but there is like a lightness that you get from that's the thing I can come up with is like the tutti frutti jelly bean. It's a really lovely <laughs> flavor. And I, it's kind of blowing my mind how, um, how well it mellows this beer out. Yeah. Cause definitely. This, yeah. This isn't going down. Like, I, I mean, I, I agree with you that it's super hoppy, but it's not going down like something like, um, a lot of stone IPAs would. It's yeah. really drinkable for something that should be this aggressive on paper. Right. Yeah. It's a very well-made beer. I think that's just a testament to the, that late, Late, late hopping that adds you yeah. know a lot of those flavorful notes of the the hops without maybe adding more bitterness so then you get a lot of those the aromatics and and the flavors like you said i wonder if what you're you're tasting is from that that lemon drop hop that has that kind of citrusy sweetness to it yeah i was reading that and i had to read it again as you were saying that because i didn't think I was aware of a lemon drop hop. I thought they were maybe referencing something else, but clearly that is what they meant. I'd love to know more about that because it absolutely might be. I'm sure it's not the Equinot or the Centennial. Um, certainly people in Chico would be very familiar with Centennial hops. Um, I don't think it's that either, man. Yeah, it's. I think it's maybe the lemon drop or the mosaic cutting through and kind of really balancing this out. This is, uh, this. yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised. I, I wasn't sure exactly what to expect because Altamont puts out so many beers and, you know, you can't can't win them all. And I certainly haven't loved them all. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I know we talked about one recently uh, with, what was that called? Uh, Strata Hops. Yep. And I think both of us were kind of, you know, somewhere in the middle, like lukewarm on that beer. And it was because of the hop profile. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. so much of that is just, it's personal taste. And like, you know, it's going to vary from person to person. It's so subjective. But like, I like Strata Hops, but that was way too strawberry. Yep. Uh, but I think the hop profile on this beer strikes a really nice chord. Do you want to know a little bit more about lemon drop hops? Oh, I would love to know more about lemon drop hops. Let's talk about lemon drop hops. Give me it. First of all, that sounds like a great new band name. A great. If band we name. ever yeah. start like a like a barbershop <laughs> quartet, oh, okay, it's got to be the lemon drop hops, and we all wear yellow striped suits. Of course, we do. That's Sing about lemonade, I love it. yeah, and sunshine and happiness. I'm in. You'd have to cover up your tattoos, I think, for the image to work, and I'd have to shave that's, my beard. That's why the suits. Oh, it's okay. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because they always wear the, the awesome, like, vertical stripe suits. Right. Yeah. It's, oh, they're long sleeves. That's true. Yeah. Usually. It'd be yeah. really weird if the suit had short sleeves. Just tank tops. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you wearing a tie with short sleeve suit? Yeah. 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 All uh, right. Yeah. Oh, tell me about them, though. Lemon drop hops. Uh, they offer a unique lemon citrus character uh, with a pleasant aroma, and the bright citrus and subtle herbaceous notes are a perfect. Uh, are perfect for sessionable beers, while ales tend to bring out her sweet side. Uh, Lemon Drop is delicate and refined enough for quality lagers, typically. But uh, yeah, so it's kind of interesting that they use something kind of reserved for more like Pilsner-y type beers, a little bit more crispy and light. And they add that into that, that cornucopia of hops for this beer. I think it really does something quite interesting and brings... A little bit of uniqueness to this, and uh, I mean, we're very familiar with all different kinds of hop profiles, and this is uh, this is on the more unique side. It doesn't yeah. taste like your typical West Coast IPA. It's got like some layers. There's there's a bit of depth to this, which is nice. It's not just all one thing. There's there's some subtlety to it, which I think is a testament to the the craftsmanship of this beer. Agreed. I do want to dive into those layers a little bit because I think it's par for the course as we do here. Let's try to figure out if there is anything that we don't like about this beer. Do you have anything jumping out to you that's aggressively off-putting? Honestly, 
I think you could have done with, I see, I'm going back against one of the hops that I like, but I think mm-hmm. you could do with a little bit less earthiness. I yeah. would have liked to see a bit more of that citrusiness push through. I like that earthiness, but it feels like it's, it's trying to like climb the ladder alongside that like citrusy brightness of the hops. And it, it kind of takes it in like a contrasting direction, which it just throws my palate off a little bit, but it, I mean, that's super nitpicky. No, I mean, that's, that's what we're here for. I, I, it's funny you say that. I was kind of thinking, I was thinking the same thing, but in a, in a different way. Cause I've poured mine into um, a 16 ounce tulip glass and I've only poured about half of it and I'm down to about six ounces. So as it's kind of warmed up over the past, maybe 10 minutes, I was thinking that some of that brightness had kind of rolled off and I hadn't considered that sort of the earthiness was actually just coming out, which makes way more sense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It doesn't bother me too much. I, I agree with you. It's pretty nitpicky. I don't even know that I'm going to take away any points because it is sort of just the natural lifespan of a beer as you drink it. Like it's going to warm up a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's fine for me. What um, the real sort of, again, nitpicking to the nth degree here, but like, as I'm drinking it, it is kind of not sitting in the cleanest finish territory. Like it's ending mm. up a little bit more bitter than I realized it was going to be, which is still fine. It's a West Coast IPA. It's it's above 6%. Like I'm not expecting a pillowy cloud of a Pilsner, but it's sitting in, in almost like a like too dry of a finish in the back of my mouth. Mm. Yeah, I could see it uh, possibly wrecking your palate too. Like if you were going to try like some yes. other light beers after this, that uh, it could possibly, this might be all you taste for the rest of the night. Yeah, but I think that's fine. If you just know what you're going to have, uh, like later on in the show, we'll be drinking a, a dessert stout. So I don't think we're in any uh, uh, risk of masking too much subtlety there. But you never know. And we have got a little time before we get there, anyways. But I think if you're okay with it, I think we give Dank 30 from Altamont a rating out of 10. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Okay, then after you. So, I mean, overall, this is this is exactly as advertised. It's a really nice West Coast IPA. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, I would drink this again. This is a beer that I would be in the mood for. Like uh, this would be a very specific flavor that I seek out. Mm-hmm. This beer feels like uh, probably about a, like an eight point four for me. Yeah, it's an eight for me for all those reasons. It's super as advertised. It's a really solid West Coast IPA. If you are like Johnny and, and to some extent even like me and a little bit burnt out as we're coming back into, you know, soon ish here the springtime months and then summer in Chico, like. Clear beers are going to be where it's at. I feel like so often hazy beers can be a little bit um, heavy. So yeah. yeah, eight for me. You said 8.4 for you? Mm-hmm. Okay. If people want to get their hands on this in Chico, where can they go? How much does it cost? Uh, you're going to be able to get this at pretty much any of the local bottle shops. I believe I picked this up this week at Spikes, but I've seen it all over the place. So this is this is widely available. I would say... Just wherever you're buying it, take a peek at the date at the bottom of the can and make sure it's inside like two months. That would be the maximum I would drink this beer personally. It's fine probably up to three months or so, maybe even a little bit longer if you ask the brewery. Uh, But I would say anywhere you get this in Chico under two months and you're going to be absolutely pleased with it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. For now, let's put Altamont to bed for just a little bit. And normally we'd be at this point in the show where we would play you a trailer for our film of the week, uh, which this week is called Another Round, but it is a Danish language film, so we're not going to play you a trailer. We are going to play you a song that runs throughout the film. It's called What a Life by Scarlet Pleasure. And after that, we're going to come back and talk about Another Round without spoiling it. So don't go anywhere. What a life. What a night. What a beautiful, beautiful ride. 
What you just heard was a song from the movie this week, Another Round. Four high school teachers consume alcohol on a daily basis to see how it affects their social and professional lives. Right. This is a film written and directed by Thomas Vinterberg. Uh, he directed The Hunt in 2012, which is another film that had Mads Mikkelsen, who we'll talk about in a minute. He, after that, directed Far From the Matting Crowd, which came out in 2015. This also has a co-writing credit to Tobias Lindholm. Stars Mads Mikkelsen as Martin. He's a history teacher at this high school. Uh, Thomas Bo Larson plays Tommy, the PE teacher. Lars Ranth plays Peter. And Magnus Malang plays Nikolai. This came out uh, on video on demand in December, uh, December the 4th, I believe, of 2020. It was going to come out at Cannes, but because of COVID, uh, it was uh, screened at TIFF instead, Toronto International Film Festival, and it runs an hour and 57 minutes. This is a movie that when we were planning our calendar, I think, Johnny, this is maybe the the one that I can think of recently where you were like, no, 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 I really, I really want to cover another round. Like, let's make room. Let's cover mm -hmm. it. I'm excited for it. I've heard about it. Like, And I think it's our first maybe Danish film ever on the show. So... Off the bat, I want to ask you kind of the normal questions, like what got you excited about this movie and, and kind of what were your general experiences with it? Um, yeah, so I was intrigued because I'm a big Mads Mikkelsen fan. Uh, I also love watching movies that are are written and filmed and, and are just from a different perspective outside of the United States. I love foreign films with, with contemporary actors that you recognize and you already kind of gravitate towards. Yeah. So it's fun to get that different, like a more European perspective on things. I think it's always interesting. Uh, and I had a really uh, good time watching this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I think the, the tricky thing, and it, I don't know, maybe it's obvious going in, but the idea is that one of their friends, um, the character is Nikolai, has, they're all sitting around a table celebrating his 40th birthday. They're out to dinner and they've all sort of stalled out in life, they, they feel like, and he kind of mentions in passing that there's this Norwegian philosopher who claims that um, human beings are born with, quote, uh, you know, an alcohol blood content deficiency of 0.05%. So they they try to maintain that over the course of uh, however long this movie lasts. And um, as an audience member, we're kind of like, like this can't super go well. Like, because I think at least you and I, sir, who drink craft beer on a daily basis um, or on a, on a weekly basis, certainly for this show, like you kind of know the rhythm of, of what that what could happen when you sort of like start going more and more. And in the, in the context of, of school teachers, like I see the appeal, but the danger is what kept this movie for me from being like a fun comedic experience to more where I was like kind of clenching my fists more than I realize and watching these, uh, in some cases, tragic situations unfold. Um, and I'll get into some of that without spoiling here in a, in a minute, but you mentioned being a Mads Mikkelsen fan. How was, how was he in this? Yeah, I'm gonna, he was good. He was fantastic. Actually, I would say probably better than good. Um, and I want to just share some overall thoughts too, before please. we get too far. Yeah, please. Um, I was kind of expecting almost like a, like a party movie almost like yeah. you read the synopsis and you, synopsis and you think this is going to just be a uh, a good time movie mm -hmm. and i was quite pleased to get into the depths of introspection that they got um pretty early in the film it established a baseline of this isn't going to just be um like you know drunken shenanigans like there's some some depth to it and some real personal issues that come forth pretty early, like within the first five minutes. Yeah. Uh, like Matt, when Mads Mikkelsen tears up at the dinner scene, I was just taken aback. I was like, wow, this is, 
this is going to be something a bit more than I expected. And uh, overall, this movie did not disappoint in that regard. I thought it was a really well put together movie and it, it took so many twists and turns, but it was just such uh, an interesting look at the human experience of having a relationship with alcohol and the pros and the cons and what it can do as a social lubricant and, you know, the damage obviously. And um, it was a really interesting retelling of kind of an old idea of like, you know, examining relationships with alcohol. There's been countless movies made about it. We've had some discussions off the air about those recently. And um, I think this fits into the canon of movies that deal with that topic very well. So I I really enjoyed this movie and I look forward to getting into it a bit more uh, when we start spoiling stuff. But until then, what did, what did you think? What was your overall vibe of this movie? Yeah. I mean, piggybacking off you a little bit, I love also seeing sort of different cultural trends and, and the way that people act in particular with respect to what you're saying about that scene early on when they first sort of mentioned this philosopher's ideology, there's a scene where, yeah, Mads Mikkelsen's character, Martin is kind of tearing up and I think this movie sort of has a lot to say about like the general friendship and male tenderness that those guys have. That was really nice to see because so often, at least in American cinema, you'll get this sort of aversion to any type of, you know, like if a, if a man's crying, like, you know, toughen up buttercup or whatever Mm -hmm. stupid thing that they might say to avoid (laughs) addressing emotions. Um, So I thought that was really nice. And I think that's explored throughout this movie um, in the way that you're talking about, like, like relationships with alcohol, relationships with, um, life partners and kids and, and what that means for your career. Um, it's, it's essentially a drunken midlife crisis. This movie is. And I, I think it, it plays out in a really satisfying and to your point, unexpected way. Like I was sort of prepared for, you know, like a, a kind of a goofball comedy. Maybe I, I try not to go into movies knowing too much. Um, and there are comedic elements certainly, but there's much more, I think, to be learned about life and, uh, that, that that's going to stick with me more than some of the jokes that played throughout this film. Yeah, absolutely. I agree completely. Uh, I did want to mention one thing because it came up really early in the viewing of this movie and I had to Google it immediately. Mm-hmm. The drinking age in Denmark is 16. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So let's just like, he's having conversations with his high school students about like how much they drink. And I was like, hold on. Here. Okay. Like, okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. This is too nonchalant. I'm glad you pointed that out. Cause I actually didn't connect those dots. I just thought that there's a character in particular. That's a little bit more kosher with like encouraging his students to drink, we'll say. And, mm-hmm. and at that point I was like, hang on, like you can't, you can't do that like that. And then it's good to know that, well, you still can't do that, but I guess legally it's a little bit less dicey. Maybe. Yeah. Like uh, after 16, when it comes to alcohol, you can talk to them like they're adults, like it's above board, which is, it was fascinating to hear like uh, a conversation between a teacher and a student in a high school classroom about alcohol yeah. consumption yeah. as it, you know, and it's like a normal thing. It's there, not, yeah. you know, how much are you partying you crazy kids? It's like, Hey, how much, how much do you drink a week? Yeah. You know? There's a scene later on in the movie where one of the characters, um, you know, maybe gives alcohol to somebody. And that's where I was like, I think even in, even in Denmark, that's not kosher. You can't do that is what I was referring to. But, um, I think we're probably getting to the point where we're going to need to spoil some stuff. So I will say before we get to that, Johnny Summers, give another round out of 10. Ooh, yes. I really, really, really liked this movie. I almost, I think I loved it. Um, yeah, I'm, this is going to be up there for me this year. This was, uh, this was, uh, this was an 8.2. 
8.2 out of 10. That's really, really respectable. I'm giving it a, a seven actually, um, partially because it uh, stressed me out a little bit, but I guess we can get into that as we get into spoilers. So let's say spoilers inbound. You've been warned. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Danger zone. Okay. And we are in the danger zone. Let's talk spoilers for another round. I, I want to clear this up really quickly. The scene I'm referring to is later on where um, I think it is, uh, it, it must be Peter. He is, he's proctoring an exam. Peter played by Lars Ranth is uh, proctoring an exam for a student who has this really crippling anxiety. And he suggests to this uh, student earlier on, like, you know, maybe have a drink before the exam. Exam day comes, kid has not had a drink. And then Peter's like, here you go. I got you. You can take a drink off of my vodka that I've put in a water bottle. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, there's a couple of moments in this film where it's like, clearly people have sort of lost it. Yeah. Um, there was I'd, some spiraling for sure. Yeah. And I'd love to spend some time talking about those spirals, like how, cause they all sort of have Martin, Tommy, Peter, and Nikolai all have their own sort of spirals for in their own lives. And I, I wanted to know if any of them resonated with you in particular, or if it was all sort of a big red flag. You're like, this is just unique situations for everybody. And I don't know. How did, how did all that stuff play for you? Well, before I get to that, I want to mention it before I go further. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were talking about the relationships and the openness and stuff. And yeah. there was a line at the dinner scene that kind of spurred this all into being that really, I was like, Oh shit. Like, wow. That's, that's how they like, that's really open is when, um, who was it? Uh, the P no, uh, which one was the guy that was kids pee on him all the time. Yeah. That'd be uh, that'd be Nikolai. Was that Nikolai? Okay. Nikolai. Mm-hmm. What was he wasn't a teacher there. He was, you but know, we just never saw him teach I, yeah, anything. I was, I, you can see in our in our notes. I have basically uh, people's profession in the school, and I I didn't write anything by Nikolai because I don't know. I guess yeah. what he did. All right. So at one point at the dinner, Nikolai turns to Martin Mads Mikkelsen, yeah. and says, "You lack joy and self confidence." Oh yeah. I was just like, just Fuck, right, yeah. dude. Oh, like man. Wow. It's that one friend that like will tell you when there's something in your teeth when all of your other friends are like, ah, it's probably, it's probably, you know, it's, we're not going to mention it. Yeah. And I'm usually that friend. And for me, I was like, damn, that's blunt. Like good on you. But also like, oof, that's uh, a rough thing to say to someone. Yeah. He didn't even, Um, he didn't try to sugarcoat it at all. No, like not at all. And that kind of like, I feel like that's a bit of like that European filmmaking because like, other cultures are a bit more blunt. Like the whole way that they communicate is very like blunt and like to the point and upfront and it's refreshing. Yeah. And it makes me wonder if everyone's just better at feelings than Americans. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Gotta be right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So yeah, there was, there was spirals, there was self-discovery. I really liked Mads Mikkelsen's story arc. I mean, the the trials and tribulations of his personal life and his like self rediscovery. Yeah, and you know, I think there is something to the theory that you know things just run a little smoother when you have a little bit of alcohol in your system. Um, obviously that's a slippery slope for some. Slippery slope, and that just I mean that is strictly you know, person to person, like it's going to depend on your personality and your, your prone or not prone to addiction and, and your ability to basically keep your shit together. And yeah. obviously in these, this group of four, we had kind of a, a wide variety of, of levels of keeping your shit together. Yeah. And, um, I mean, a lot of them resonated like Mads Mikkelsen like resonated a lot because like 
he had just gotten kind of boring and just stuck in this routine. And like, he was just uninspired. And, uh, I think it took this experiment to get him outside of himself. I think it could have been any number of things besides alcohol, but maybe the loosening of the inhibitions, uh, helped him on his journey of self-discovery. And I think it could have, like I said, it could have been anything. He could have taken up running or, or found another passion, but the camaraderie with his friends and maybe, the, that lubrication and that easing of the anxiety and the, like the, you know, when you're that uptight, having a couple drinks is kind of like loosening the tie and undoing the top button, like on your soul. You always got to do that. And yeah. And just like, oh, like, oh, I can breathe. Okay. And then some people just, you know, completely fall apart and can't keep their shit together. So I liked the different levels of, of depravity that took place in this movie. And like Mads Mikkelsen's character kind of, for the most part, kept it together the whole time. But then you had like, like Tommy just went hard, like fucked his shit all. Up. Yeah. Again, Tommy's the PE teacher. If you haven't seen the movie. Um, and you could tell, but like, I think this is what I really appreciated about this movie is that it didn't sort of treat the way that people respond to alcohol with a, a wide cast net. It was like, well, yeah, everyone's, which is what you're saying. Like everyone's going to react differently in real life. So yeah. where like with maybe Mads Mikkelsen, it gave him more passion for his students and his marriage and whatever. At first it seemed like off the bat, Tommy got more aggressive and more frustrated with his soccer kids. Like yeah. it wasn't a good thing for him. Yeah. Um, it, which is part of the course of alcohol uh, for a lot of people. It's, it's, it's classified as a depressant, which again, like at first, and this is a bit of a COA covering our own asses here, like over time, almost unequivocally continued use of alcohol in anything but moderation does bad things for most people's lives. Mm -hmm. And this movie gets to that. Like at first, sure. Like everybody's a little bit looser and like, they're more enthusiastic about their jobs and their lives and whatever, but like slowly, but surely, and I take issue with this because I feel like we could have spent more time actually exploring the like, what if we did keep it at 0.05? And then in the blink of an eye, it's like, we're all at 0.6% blood alcohol content. I'm like, y'all can't be walking right now. That's insane. I don't know if they're using a different measuring system, but at one point he got real drunk. Like he got like one point something. I'm like, I don't think you're alive in American measurements at that point. So maybe it wasn't that, but um, I would have enjoyed spending more time on sort of like the I guess the part where it doesn't seem like it's a bummer. Right. Cause I watched this at 10 30 in the morning and I thought for solidarity, I'd have a glass of wine, mm-hmm. which, you know, was fine. And then I had yeah. to be like, okay, yeah, I had that desire. Like, well, maybe I'll have another drink. It's like, hang on. That's exactly right? what they're saying not to do in yeah. this scientific quotes experiment. Yeah. I don't know. I think I'm a little bit more familiar with the uh, blood alcohol scale than you. Cause like 0.05 <laughs> is only like two drinks. 0.05 is actually increasingly what people are calling the legal limit for driving. It used to be, I think in California and maybe most of America, it's still 0.08, but mm-hmm. in other countries it's like 0.05 and that's mm. really reduced a lot of problems. But yeah, no, I, I, I feel you like, and I didn't say 0.1, I said 1%, 0.1, sure. But they get to like 0.6 and at one point somebody's like 1.2 or something, which I don't think is possible. No, it is. Yeah. There like there's been I've known people, unfortunately, that like got DUIs and they were double the legal limit, which is one point no, six. No, that's point one six. Oh yeah, point one six. One point six is like point eight four higher. Oh, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah. 
Um, but again, if you noticed in the movie, they when they do the, I actually really like this. They did like little slides where when they blew in the breathalyzer, it would count up and it'd be all black. Same with when they were typing the paper. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was almost a percentage sign, but the circle on the bottom of the slanty fraction line had two or like three circles on it. It was like mm. one and then a double. I don't know. We should have looked into this, but I, I didn't. Maybe not. it's uh, it's like a, you know, whatchamacallit, uh, translation or uh, equivalency with the the metric and the... Yeah, maybe. Uh, who knows? But yeah, they they went deep, like quick. And I agree. Like, yeah. I, I thought it was good, though, because it is such a slippery slope, especially when you're talking about drinking, like, during the day. Yeah. And, like, they essentially all became functioning alcoholics for science, and then some of them became not so functional. Yeah. And I would be... Uh, really, really bad if I didn't point out how similar the sole premise was to uh, about a six episode, maybe less uh, span of Trailer Park Boys. Oh, really? Yeah, you never watched that show at all, uh, right? No, I watched a couple. So the yeah, it's I don't think it's for you. Yeah. Um. So there's this these few episodes. I want to say it's in like season four when Leahy like gets his drinking under control and finds like he calls it the sweet spot. Rand and he yeah. carries around a breathalyzer yeah. and he like breath, he blows into it and he's like, Whoop, time yeah. for a little top up. I'm getting a little low on the tank. Yeah, man. And like he was holding like a perfect like point oh whatever and like functioning and like I can keep my shit together. It was it was so similar, but like obviously the that was just pure comedy. Like that's the they took yeah. that premise and like put it into like what would actually happen if a normal person did this and they ruined the he- joke is what they did. They did. They ruined the joke. It's like, all right, we can't, I, exactly. even, we can't laugh at it. Now, now it's just too upsetting. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now it's not funny anymore. <laughs> um, Go ahead. Uh, I was going to ask, were you surprised that like like maybe Mads Mikkels, like didn't drink much before this? Is it w- weird to you to see like a character in a movie like as an adult, like in his 40s that doesn't drink? Because like I feel like that's not portrayed on cinema yeah, I don't like, wanna, a lot. I don't want to admit that. But yeah, I was like, cause like he, okay. Cause the first time we see him drink is that dinner and there's a, uh, like a, a, a pour of vodka that happens around the table to pair with caviar. And he drinks that one ounce of vodka and apparently just abandons all principle and then goes straight to chugging wine. Yeah. And whenever that happens in movies, I kind of give it a pass because I'm like, yeah, like movie magic, like, you you know, you got to get people to that point, whatever that narratively, whatever you need it to be, maybe sooner mm-hmm. than than later. But here, a movie about alcohol consumption, like the only feasible answer is that like, yeah, he just doesn't drink ever, which then makes me think like, why doesn't he drink? Like, does he have a problem with this? If so, maybe don't do this experiment, dude. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to be great for you. Like, you shouldn't. Yeah. You, you clearly have known your limits. So don't don't do this. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, too, because you like that's how you indicate in cinema that someone has a problem where they like pass it, don't have a drink, yes. pass up alcohol repeatedly. And then Cave. all of a sudden they're like pounding drinks. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, you know, it's that, that age old adage of like, he can't just have one. It's a thing. Like that's a real thing that people deal with. My problem in, yes. in this instance is like, yeah, like, I don't know. Granted we caught him at sort of this breaking point in his life. So maybe this was the dinner where he was like, I can't take it anymore. Like, Maybe he was an alcoholic and he's just kind of now relegated himself to being like, well, let's see what this is like. Why not? I yeah. have support for it. I like that they left that open-ended and yeah, they were like, who knows? Like, whatever. But yeah, it was really – what did you think about how it affected his relationship with his wife? Yeah, man. That, that Okay. 
so again, laying it out for anyone that hasn't seen it, but just wants to hear us talk. Um, she kind of gets on. I'm like, Hey, like you're clearly drinking too much. And even before that, you weren't really here. And like, when you're having fun with people, it's people other than me. And he's like in a, in a better dialogue way. Like you've, you've been cheating on me. Right. And she's like, I couldn't stick around and wait for you. So yeah. Um, well, and I was talking a little bit more too about how drinking made him like more present. Because there was a there was a buildup to that yes, kind of right. breaking point. There was one example of I, like there was one day where he they showed us like yeah he like he she, she works nights so he like was making dinner and having a glass of wine and he like asked, you want coffee or something else and then they had a nice dinner. The whole thing happened in like thirty seconds. Um, I don't think and then that they was went enough. on a canoe trip. Oh, they went yeah, that's true. But that I feel and like they that had didn't like go a whole on. what? Well, he, later on he was complaining about how like they were on vacation and then she's gone in ten minutes back on like her phone or whatever. Like not, yeah. not present. They're both, they're not, they don't have a good marriage. So yeah, I'm, I'm inclined to start from that place and then think, yeah, well, alcohol is not going to make it better. Uh, right. Alcohol very, 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 very infrequently makes a bad thing better. It almost never makes a good thing better, but occasionally it will. And I think that's, it's like gambling. Like you almost never win, but the one time you do, it's like, oh, I'm an expert. I should gamble always. <laughs> it's right. the same shit. Like it's, it's the thing that people get addicted to. Um, so yeah, I do have thoughts on how it affected their relationship. I think not not super well, but they didn't have it great in the first place. So they were headed where they were headed. I think maybe the alcohol sped it up a little bit. Yeah. So do you think that they used it as an interesting like writing tool to like throw some alcohol on this fire, see what happens? There's a great quote in uh, Ted Lasso, Apple TV Plus. If you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's amazing. It is uh, a little bit past midway in the season. There's, if you haven't seen the show, a rivalry between two of the players on the soccer team and they don't like each other. Ted sits him down at a table and they're clearly not seeing eye to eye. And he says, here's an idea that's going to make things better or a whole lot worse. Who needs a drink? <laughs> so yeah, I think narratively it, it's a really good problem solving device in interpersonal relationships. Um, and it's, it's kind of a, I, I don't dislike it, but it is a shorthand of like, let's get to the point, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. almost like a, like a, a truth serum. Yeah, like, totally. If things are going to get good, that's going to, become real honest real quick, whether good or bad. Yeah. My problem is like the people that are the least equipped to handle that kind of truth serum are the ones that reach for it the most frequently. I think you got like yeah, a really reserved fair. person that's good at communicating. They can handle an argument after a drink, but it's always the people who are just like, you've said something critical while well, I hate you. And then that's the end of that. I don't know. You know, I've, I've noticed in myself that after I've had a couple of drinks, I'm like way more, sometimes more patient. Hmm. Like, it's easier for me to have empathy and like, wow, man, that would suck. Like, tell me more about your perspective instead of just being like, no, you're wrong. Totally. Yeah. But yeah, that's just me. That's interesting. Um, okay. Well, I, I guess we should probably touch a little bit on the ending. Um, and I, I guess I'll start it off because I feel like he's kind of learning his lesson when, when his wife who, who is at this point, they are separated is reaching out and be like, I miss you. And it feels from an audience perspective, like a turning point where he can say, I don't want to keep drinking. It was a big problem. And then instead he goes and has this big dance number where he does drink and texts her back. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we're almost led to believe like, well, you can have both. Like, is what, is that the point of this? Like we've just come from this guy's from uh, Tommy's funeral. Like, are we now supposed to think that that was for nothing and the alcohol is not a bad thing for him? I I didn't get it. Well, you know, I think, um, if you look at all four of of the main characters in this movie, it does have that that smattering of, you know, levels to it. Yeah, yeah, totally. Like, there's definitely levels to everyone's relationship with alcohol. And 
I thought it interestingly portrayed maybe the idea that, yeah, you can have balance. You can have a healthy relationship with alcohol. You can maybe, like the one guy peed on his wife, like maybe, you know, that was an extreme example. And then you go the all the, all the way to the extreme of, of Tommy dying, yeah, uh, which yeah. probably they don't specify, but it's alluded to that it's alcohol related. Yeah, I think he um, just drunk himself to death and went out to sea. His dog for sure yeah. died, which I feel like needs more attention. Maybe. He was getting old, but still. Yeah, like, that's true. The that dog guy just was... took his boat to sea and died, and his dog is for yeah. sure dead now. Yeah, Rude. that makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's how I kind of took the ending was that, you know, he he was the most balanced out of all of them. Like, he really only, like, Mads Mikkelsen's character really yeah. only fell off, like, once and, like, all in all kept his his shit together the most. So yeah. I feel like his character out of the four was that example of you can probably have a healthy relationship with it. And in the end, when he was drinking and dancing, it was pure celebration at a time when alcohol is appropriate and could potentially make a good thing better. Yeah. And, okay. you know, well, I think, sure. I, okay. I think that was meant to portray that, that like, there's a time for like to everything. There is a time and all things in balance and all things in moderation including moderation. I will always sneak that quote in wherever I can. Oh, yeah. yeah, he said um, that to me last week. Yeah, but that's that's what I took it as, as a as a metaphor for the balance of life. And you can have a few drinks and, and not be a raging alcoholic and keep your, your life together. And it can make good things good. It can make bad things worse. But all in all, you can find a balance and your life's, you it won't ruin your life if you don't let it. Yeah. I th- yeah. That's how I took the ending. Yeah, I think that's actually a really positive read. Good work. I agree. Thanks. Um, you got anything else on another round? Uh, I loved Mads Mikkelsen. Uh, it's really creepy watching him drink because he drinks wine the same way in Hannibal. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. really creepy. You've been talking about Hannibal a lot recently. I hope I get a follow-up yeah. on that later in the show. But in the meantime, are you cool with jumping to a break? Let's take a break and get into our second and final beer of the evening. Hey, if you're in the mood for another round after this week's film, another round. Head on down to the handlebar where you can definitely get at least one more round. That's right, man. The handlebar is right here in Chico at 2070 East 20th Street, and they have a happy hour seven days a week from 2 to 6 p.m. where you can get a dollar off your first round and a dollar off every round you have after that. Again, Handlebar Chico, 2070 East 20th Street. They're a great local business, great food, great beer, great times. Go on, check them out. Welcome back from the break. We are well and ready for our second beer of the day. Johnny, you've picked this one out. It's called Decadent Night. It's another beer from Altamont. It's a, quote, dessert stout coming in at 6.8%. I'm sure you'd be kind enough to read me the description from Altamont's website. Yes, this luscious stout is a decadent dessert in a glass loaded with cha, Ghana, cacao nibs, Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans, and raspberry puree. This beer is a liquid version of a raspberry truffle. To be clear, I don't think you were just momentarily possessed by a 1990s surfer when you said cha Ghana. That's a real thing. We looked it up. We did our digging. It's a chocolate company. T-C-H-O is how it's spelled. It's a phonetic pronunciation for chocolate, uh, cha. And that is the chocolate that is featured in this beer. It is vegan chocolate. And for you, sir, it is dairy-free, I do believe. So I think we're on track for a pretty good experience. I know that we both love uh, tasting slash saying uh, cocoa and cacao. 
Um, and vanilla beans and raspberries are always good in a stout, especially a dessert one. So let's dive in. Have you poured yours? Yeah, I have. I've been swirling it around, getting a little bit warmed up. Yeah, we've both pulled these out of the fridge uh, pretty recently, which was an oversight by, uh, on our end, but I think it'll be good either way. Have you tasted it? I'm smelling it. I have tasted it. I get a lot of root beer, which I don't know if I'm super excited about. Oh, no. Okay, I'm about to pour mine. Hmm. Okay. I've tasted it. Uh-oh. Huh. Just my first hunch. Well. Oh. Uh, this is uh, a pretty yeah, disappointing beer. hates it. Yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I just smelled mine, and it's yeah. There's, a, I mean, there's a lot of raspberry there too, but there is sort of like a, um, what's a nice way of putting it? Um, I can't think of one. Just like a you know artificial sort of molassesy soda pop, yeah, kind of vibe going. Yeah. Um. So we're we're looking for chocolate, we're looking for vanilla, and we're yeah. looking for raspberry in that order. I would say. Yeah, and I tell you what, young Max Minardi. I'm still looking. Yeah, the chocolate is uh, maybe hiding behind maybe one of the vanilla bean stalks um, or perhaps the searing bitterness. I don't know how how much cover searing bitterness gives you, but maybe I'll look behind that for the chocolate. I'm not positive. <laughs> it is dark chocolate, um, so it's not going to be that kind of milk chocolate sweetness, but still. Um, I don't know. Actually, when I say it like that, that kind of makes sense that it might be more of that bitter kind of baking chocolate. Um, I am going to look into their, their Ghana... Um, chocolate bars because they do kind of ride up in like the 70 you know uh what how do you measure chocolate bars like 70 um percent percent yeah, is cacao. That what it is? Cacao? yeah yeah they're high a lot of them are up there um yeah which is not something i love but still yeah you get more into the the, the bitter earthy musty flavors when you get up into yeah. like above 60 especially yeah. if there's no, no milk in it you're just getting cacao like wow um there's so much wrong with this beer though that um Man, I'm not getting any even dark chocolate. Really, mm. this beer is so it's 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 watery, man. Yeah, there's not you call this a dessert stout. Usually, dessert is yep. sweet in some way. Um, I'm not getting maybe just a light dusting of cocoa nibs. Very very adjacent. Um, Madagascar bourbon vanilla beans. No, Nary no they're peak. not in here. They, no. they forgot them in this can. And then like <laughs> raspberry puree. I mean, I don't get any fruit notes when I'm tasting this. Oh, really? All. I mean, I get the raspberry, but I, I, I'm with you. There's the vanillas. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. Maybe just like a, a teensy bit of like tartness. And if you swish it around in your mouth and use your imagination, you can get some raspberry. Mm. I mean, no, I think I think that sweetness, especially if you focus at, like if you focus the your swallow on the back of your throat, there's a lot that happens on the back of your tongue. I should know more about sort of where your taste buds lie, but I think that's the move. I still don't get any vanilla. There's a ton of raspberry on the nose, which is really pleasant. Um I was I didn't want to have to say this. I was hoping it wouldn't be the case, but you pack this much or at least potential flavor punch into a beer that only comes in at a high six, 6.8%. Um, I don't know, man, you run the risk of it feeling thin and this one certainly does. And yeah. it's sort of just stacking the deck against it of an already pretty, pretty full deck. Ah, oh, man, this is a bummer. Stick to stick to IPAs. Yeah. I think that's, that's yeah. the move. 
wasn't the uh, wasn't the IPA that we covered on our bonus content a hazy IPA or was it a clear one? I think it was uh, clear. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it felt hazy or something, and that was another weird critique we had of it. Just because it was so sweet and yeah, full bodied. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, then I'm gonna <sighs> flip the convention and say, what do you like about this beer? Hmm. They could have sold this as a brown like ale. a raspberry brown ale. Yeah. Yeah. And it would have been much more believable, or a porter. Um. The stout is maybe only defined by its malt bill, possibly. Um, but other than that, it carries none of the markers of a stout in flavor or or mouthfeel or uh, overall enjoyability. So uh, what I do like about this beer is I only poured um, about three ounces. What's happening to the rest of it? I don't think I'm going to drink it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've No, I'm sorry. This is... Uh, this is subpar. This is definitely not equivalent to a lot of any of the other beers that they put out. Quite frankly, this is uh, this is a miss big time. It's way too thin. It's not sweet enough. It's you could have just. It, it doesn't need to say dessert stout. I mean, you you're playing in a sandbox of pastry stouts that are basically like Hershey syrup. Like this is this is barely more substantial than just a regular stout with minor flavor notes added. You a fan of chocolate dipped strawberries? Mm, meh. Yeah, me too. I, I would even be less of a fan of a, of a chocolate dipped raspberry. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I don't think I hate it quite as much as you do, or, or maybe I do, but I don't think it's quite the misrepresentation that you do. So often we've complained about American, in particular American uh, pastry stouts being this overblown, not nuanced, no layers, just like sweetness wall that you get in a glass. And I like that this isn't that. And I like that it's maybe not like 12% with just the one facet, but I don't personally like these flavors. Like I don't like bitter dark chocolate and I don't love raspberry compared or not compared paired with it. Um, I want more vanilla and I want more body. It does feel so thin and uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't like it either, but I don't think it's not well made. As, as I do a little bit, but not as strongly as you do. Well, I think if you had a bit more body and a, like a, any vanilla, it would be a better beer. Yeah. The vanilla is really what's, what's man. There's, there's, I can't get it. I keep, I keep trying and I can't quite get any vanilla at all. No, at all. And, and whole vanilla beans are such a robust flavor. It should be unmistakably present. And the fact that it's not leads me to be very bummed out Yeah, because the sad- you advertise, you advertised it as, one of the three things in it. Yeah. The sad irony of that is that it's probably the one flavor that would have redeemed the bitterness of the other two. Like it would have maybe balanced the whole thing out and given it that kind of thick, uh, creamy mouthfeel you want in a beer like this. Yeah. That's why on paper, these three ingredients go together. But when one of the trifecta is missing, you just have a sad, sad duo. Johnny Summers, decadent night from Altamont out of 10. What do you got? 3.2. Yeah. I'm a four. Uh, I'm also happy to move along if you are. Nope, not yet. Okay. (laughs) Where does this fall on the Nick Land Four Locometer? I believe that we've discussed in the past that the Nick Land Four Locometer is, for me, anything below a two, or uh, rather two and below, and I think for you it might be three, but I, I could be wrong. So I'm still drinking this. If I got to pick the flavor, I would rather drink a Four Loco than this. Um, well, there's the headline of our episode on whatever advertising we do this week. 
Uh, yeah, let's let's make that the clickbait and then see if if Altamont shares our post. I mean, we could try to send them that email. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, no, four loco better than Altamont Stout. Click here to All find capitals. Out. Yeah, yeah, I got you. Um, I think part of it for me is like my number on that scale is quite a bit lower because I've had to drink more on this show than you because. I don't know. There was a time there where like for a year I saw less movies than you for some reason. I think I was traveling a lot. Um, but it hasn't happened in a while, but that sort of four loco trauma has stuck with me pretty intensely. Yeah. I'm pretty sure be like, if it's not, if it's, if it's below 0.05%, <laughs> yeah. Like do. you're never going to pick the four loco. You're like, I'll stomach a bad beer. That's not going to ruin my night entirely. Although the other day, I think not the other day, but like a few weeks ago, I did have something that was flirting with disaster. I think it was like a 2.2 or something, or maybe it was just a two flat. Cause I don't really do the decimals anymore. And so that was the closest I've come in a while. And I can't remember what beer it was, but okay. You know, yeah. So, so for now, decadent night, 3.2 for you, four for me. Um, I, I vote that we move into hot and bother. What do you think? Let's do it. Johnny Summers, what has you hot and bothered this week? I should say also for any new listeners, that is a segment of our show where Johnny and I take a break from being so critical about other people's stuff and be critical about our own lives. So we're going to talk about what has us very excited or very bummed out, and we just decided to call it hot and bothered. It's not sexual unless you want it to be Johnny Summers. What's got you? And sometimes it is. Of course. I guess it could be. Yeah, what if you just came out one day and like caught me by surprise with just like a spicy hot and bothered where you're like just explicit about some stuff that you did. And I'm just like, Oh my God. I think you'd take it in stride. I feel like hot and bothered is sort of the, um, safe space of the show each week. Yeah. So definitely. yeah, I, I, if it makes you feel any better, I, I wouldn't have any reservations. I'd be like, yeah, he, this is when he'd want me to tell him. Of course. Absolutely. Not in yeah. the privacy of our own conversation, but yeah, on a, on a podcast, of course. And nobody's listening. It's fine. <laughs> so yeah. what, what I mentioned, I mean, I kind of teed you up for a Hannibal reference earlier. So, I feel like that's where we start. Yeah, for sure. So I wanted to come back with a final, like the bookend of my Hannibal experience. It's very relevant, giving its Mads Mikkelsen ness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I finished season two, and I got a little bit into season three. And then I realized season three doesn't need to exist oh. at all shoot stopped watching it just let it go i just went full pontius pilot washed my hands of the show and said <laughs> i deny you uh so <laughs> here we go season one and two pretty damn near perfect psychological yeah. horror television both in its writing and its aesthetic and i feel like the show ended there so season one season two absolutely magnificent character development great acting Great writing, the color palette, the aesthetics, everything about that show. One of the the best series I've ever seen in that genre. Completely disregard season three. Pretend it doesn't exist. Just enjoy the first two seasons and know that it was perfect and just be happy. To clarify, Hannibal is a bit of a prequel series to the character Hannibal Lecter, yes? Um, yeah, so Hannibal is based on the book Red Dragon by Thomas Harris, the same author as Silence of the Lambs. And Red Dragon was a period in Hannibal Lecter's life chronologically that was, it predates Silence yeah. of the Lambs. Yeah. So um, he's actually like working with the FBI 
uh, Silence of the Lambs was all written from the perspective of Hannibal Lecter already being incarcerated. At this point in his life, he is a therapist and he's actually treating a uh, profiler for the FBI Mm -hmm. uh, behavioral science unit named Will Graham and that focuses on their relationship and uh, it's 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 fantastic. So it's it's definitely before Silence of the Lambs. And if you're familiar with the book or the movie Red Dragon, I believe Ralph Fiennes starred in Red Dragon. Uh, very good movie, worth a watch for sure. Uh, but in the movie, uh, Will Graham was played by Ed Norton. Obviously not Ed Norton in the TV series. Sure. Uh, they recast the whole thing, but it has a lot of through lines. And if you're a fan of the book, Red Dragon, or the movie, you will enjoy seeing these characters brought to life on the small screen and explored at a bit more depth. And if you're a casual fan and you haven't seen the movie or read the book, I think you can still glean a lot of entertainment from the series. So again, Hannibal, season one, season two, season three, you're dead to me. Where can people watch it? Uh, it is on Netflix and Amazon Prime right now. So nice. it's very available to stream. Just clickety click, 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 and go enjoy some murder. Word. What else you got? Uh, so, in keeping with tradition, I have a song uh, that has led me on a rabbit hole of an artist. So, I've been watching the football playoffs recently. We are headed as we record this into championship weekend with the AFC and NFC championships inbound this weekend. Uh, go Buffalo. That's all I'm going to say about that. New York. Uh, no. Uh, no. Sorry. Yeah. That's just. Yeah, is it? Yeah. It's a good city. You're right. Yeah. So I'm pulling for Buffalo in the Super Bowl, but or in to get to the Super Bowl. All that to say, there was this song that became quite the earworm for me, and it's in an NFL shop commercial where they're just trying to to hawk their jerseys and hats and socks and just. The ridiculously commercial nature of the sport is shining through at its highest. But the song is just so groovy and catchy and uh-huh. like soulful that I couldn't help but look it up. And it, it, the song is called, where did it go? In the notes, uh, Helen Back. Uh, and the artist is Bakar. It, it feels rude not to play it. it feels rude not yeah, to play it. Yeah, you should, you should play some of it. You got it. I'm going to keep it going, so whenever you want. Okay. Um, So, yeah, finding out who did that song on that commercial led me down this rabbit hole to look into this artist, Bakar. Uh, His full name is Abu Babakar Bakar Sharif Sharif Far, Uh, better known as Bakar. Probably a good move to sell records. It's much too long for showbiz. It's just much too long. Exactly. But Bakar, it's like, ooh. Catchy as fuck. Catchy as fuck, just like his music. <laughs> uh, he's a British singer-songwriter and also a model. He's okay. sexy sure. on top of being talented. Didn't know that. Just read it in his bio. Didn't know he was a model. But, yeah, it led me on a rabbit hole down his music, but it was all springboarded by the song Helen Back. He's got a really, like, soulful, like, R&B style of singing and and vocal instrumentation, but and it's paired with this kind of like just loosey-goosey, like indie rock vibe. Uh, So I really enjoy his music, and I've been listening to it quite a bit. So that's my hot is uh, Hannibal Season 1 and 2 and Bakar, Helen Beck. Nice. I just have one this week, and that is to 
sort of make amends for the past couple months where I feel like I've been called out, namely by you, for not keeping my letterbox up to date. It's something that I've sort of pushed for really intensely in the past. Like, you know, like keep it up so that you can, or at least you and I on the show can go back and like, look and make our top tens of the year or whatever it might be. And in particular over the past, like three months, I've really slacked on it. Um, So I decided that I would finally go back and write something for every movie we've covered and every movie that I've seen over the course of 2020. And I did it. Nice. Um, And it took a couple days, not, not like eight hour days or anything, but like a few hours for about a week uh, every day. And I've done it. And I think it's, it's given me a really good opportunity to like go back and sort of revisit how I feel about these movies as we're coming into, um, albeit a sort of a late Oscars this year. Like I'm hoping to put together a really good top 10 list. And there's some movies that I haven't thought of for a very long time. Like, uh, let me look through it. Um, like we haven't talked about first cow since August or, mm. um, we didn't actually cover Mulan, but that's a great example of a movie that sucks. Um, I'm thinking of ending <laughs> things. We cover the devil all the time. Sputnik, that Russian horror movie we did. Yes. God. Yes. Um, there's a bunch of movies like more than I thought that we had seen in 2020. And as I looked back, what struck me was that I don't think 2020 sucked for movies. Like there were some there was really some good, good films that came out. Never, rarely, sometimes always. We both loved, mm. we both loved relic. There were some good ones, man. Um, and then I was almost immediately also struck as I was scrolling through the calendar, like, oh, that was also 2020, mm. which is a very wide, like, um, Lost Transmissions, the Simon Pegg mm. movie that came out back in, uh, I think, May. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of those. Um, remember that that documentary, Crip Camp? Yes. Also, also the same year? I don't know. Yeah. Blew my mind. So- my point is I'm really caught up in my letterbox stuff. So if you are on letterbox and you don't already follow me, please do. If you're not on letterbox and you're a movie person, you should be on letterbox. It's a great way to keep track of movies. You have seen movies you want to see, uh, and things of that nature. So I'm glad I finally caught up. I hope that I can stop getting grief. Yeah. I just, I was pressuring at you because we were just getting to the point where we weren't even like recording that we had seen movies. Like at least it'd be like, Hey, I watched I know, this. And I know. <laughs> like, like, uh, cause I don't expect you to write anything about everything. It's yeah. just more like, it's an easy way to keep track and make top 10 lists at the end of the year or whatever. Totally. So yeah, just that we get on there and log movies that we've watched, I think is enough. And if you feel like expounding, I think it is absolutely fantastic and I'm proud of you and I appreciate the effort and the bonus work. Thanks, man. I've actually gone back and, and read some of your reviews. I think I liked a few, so you oh, could have cool. got some notifications from me. Yeah. I went back and read some of your reviews. So yeah, what I yeah. found was really helpful was like also, well, I went back and listened to kind of our conversations just to pull like a quote or two so that I could put sort of our link to the episode below. But what I found was that on some of those movies, I really wanted to change my rating because mm. I don't feel the same way I felt when they came out, but I feel like that's almost disingenuous to the the critic approach. Like, like that's, that's what I felt when I wrote the review. So until I watched the movie again, like you can't really change it. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's room for that. I don't know. I feel like I'm so biased probably by just reading stuff. And like, if people that I really respect really like it or dislike it, I might subconsciously be inclined to change my mind. And I'm just trying to stick with what I thought. Well, that's fair because I, I I have razzed you about that in the past. So yeah, like you got to be. If that's your reasoning, then yeah, yeah don't yeah. don't change nothing. Yeah, um, you got anything else this week? No, oh, that's it, man. I think that's a wrap. That was a good episode. That was fun. Okay, then I shall say next week. If you want to stay current with us, film wise, we are covering a um, what's the best way to put this? It's a mini series of films on Prime Video directed by Steve McQueen, who did Widows, 
most recently. And the series or the, the anthology is called Small Acts. We are particularly covering Lover's Rock. So if you want to watch that and you're a Prime subscriber, check it out. I don't think we have our brewery nailed down yet, but we will. Um, the show wouldn't be possible without Bailey Minardi. I think that's all I have. You got anything else, my friend, Johnny Summers? Nope. That is it. That's Max and that's Johnny. We're Fresh Hop Cinema and we'll see you next week. This is Fresh Hop Cinema.